This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. Hello and welcome to Energy Sport Unpacked, a brand new podcast series where our writers take a deep dive into the topics they've been covering on our award-winning website. My name is Sean McGill, co-editor of Energy Sport and let me just run run through the concept behind this podcast. This year we've got more content than ever going up on energysport.net covering football, wrestling, basketball, MMA, tennis and more. We're excited to be bringing you insightful, in-depth and entertaining articles, but sometimes an article demands a deeper discussion, a wider debate and an engaged conversation and that's exactly what Unpacked is for. We'll have different hosts and guests giving you in-depth chat about the stories we cover and why we cover them and that's what we're doing on today's show. Joining me first of all is my co-host from Energy Extra Time, Cameron Monstall. Hello. Hello Cameron. And our other guest is making our Energy Sport podcast debut and we're here to talk about her brilliant article titled FC Barcelona, Is This the End? It's our resident Spaniard, Sofia Villegas Navarro. Hi Sofia. Hello. How are you? You're too nice. You're too nice. You're too nice. (laughs) I'm always nice to you, am I? Well, well, well. (laughs) Well, well, well. Maybe, I don't know... mm, Five out of the 24 hours a day, you're nice. That's there quite is... a lot of hours. Five hours a day, you'd be nice. That's quite a lot. You're really a bit generous there. And three of them, you're sleeping, so no. Fair. Are you excited to be here on Energy Sport? <laughs> I'm so excited. I feel so honoured to be the first one. We just thought this is a good article because I know how passionately you feel about this subject, so we thought we should Yeah, get... very passionate. I, I say, I'm, I'm going to say sorry beforehand. Because I really get annoyed when talking about Barca lately, so yeah, sorry. I, I swear I'm a nice person and I'm not aggressive. <laughs> I beg okay. to differ. But um, <laughs> why don't we start there, Sophia? Why don't you tell us why you wanted to write this article? So it's been painful to watch Barca's last few seasons, uh, especially since they lost the and the Champions League match against the Bayern Bayern last yeah. season. It was just like heartbreaking because it was a goal after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, and after another and after another. <laughs> That's it, there we go. Okay, we got there. <laughs> and um I remember watching that that match and Suarez couldn't run. Like he 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 couldn't. Um it was all over the place and I thought Barca had hit rock bottom that point but no (laughs) then this season came and it was like another new level Uh, the fact that Suarez was um, kicked out almost I I think that's probably one of the rudest moves I've seen of uh, like the Barca management lately Mm -hmm. and also Rakitic I felt that was pretty rude too and the fact that Suarez left Barca and now he's like the top scorer of La Liga and he's doing so well for Atletico is like that hurts twice. <laughs> and just seeing Barca's matches, uh, I remember when they all knew how to like what was going to happen, like pass around, just what Crip had told them, like pass around, pass around, pass around until there like a spot appeared and that was it. That was the goal. And now they don't even know how to move around the pitch. They don't even know how to pass. Passes, passing this season has been horrible. I don't know if you watched uh, well, the PSG game last uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Busquets 
passing, honestly. Um, Something that he's always done so well for for Barcelona. I know, and it's kind of sad because there are like a few uh, players in Barca that are like kind of not I I don't know if to say legends, but like they're important and they they have been loved for so long, like Jordi Alba, Busquets. Uh, I would even say Piqué, but mm-hmm. Piqué gets on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> um, but now with like. They're, how they're playing and that they don't really add anything to the game at the moment. They're starting to like be not not hated but resented by the fandom, and it's it's sad if you think about it. Cause then you like then you have Iniesta and Xavi Hernandez who just left in the right moment and are just like the heart of the club. And I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Well, we're, we're going to pick on a lot of the things that you went through there. And we've got a, a, a Barca fans perspective there. But Cameron, you've I think while we've been podcasting together, you've always shown an interest in Barcelona's slump over the last couple of years. So I guess you're excited to talk about them today as well. Yeah, of course. Like, it, they are. They're, in my eyes, both the biggest two clubs in the world, alongside Real Madrid. Yep. Um, absolutely massive. And... It's not even like it's just an issue on the pitch. It's not like it's just the players. Like a lot of it is the players, but not just that. It's also the management. It's also the upstairs. It's the chaos about the presidency going on right now. It's the fact they're pretty much bankrupt um, during COVID, and it's it's the stuff like the transfers they've made, like letting go of Suarez for nothing, bringing in. I, I think they paid about thirty million for a backup goalkeeper in Neto. Like why? Why are you spending thirty million euros on a backup goalkeeper and letting a player that's now got sixteen goals in twenty games go on a free to your arch rivals for the title? It's beyond belief. Um, but yeah, we'll go through all that. I'm sure. Yeah, we definitely will. And Sophia, let's get into your article. And the first thing you talk about in that first paragraph is looking back to sort of a decade ago. I mean, if this was ten years ago, Barcelona are about to win their second European Cup in two years. They're dominating European football Pep Guardiola's uh, capturing the hearts of football fans all over the world and that's not just it's not just Barcelona but Spanish football in general with the national team winning three consecutive major trophies it really are sort of dominating football at the moment Spanish football Barcelona are the height of the sport um, and I can hear you get upset. well if you can if you don't get too upset take me back to to that era of Barca and and Spain I guess and just how enjoyable they were as a team to watch and oh, to enjoy. I'm going to start with Spain because to like 2010, the year we we won the world championship, that was. I don't even have words to describe it. Like I remember this year when Sco- Scotland got. Uh, to the Euros. Classified, yeah, I like you were also happy and like. <laughs> You couldn't just like you you wouldn't stop uh, singing and stuff. <laughs> well, imagine that like twenty times because yeah. we did. We, I remember we uh, we started the world championship and we lost against Switzerland. I think it was like one zero mm. or something like that. Yeah, it was. And it was like <laughs> okay, we thought we were gonna have a chance, but apparently, if we lose against Switzerland, something's wrong. <laughs> but then, uh, like, it we kept going. And Villa scored every single match, and it was like, maybe, maybe it's gonna happen. Maybe it's gonna happen. And then Puyol scored the semi-final against um, Germany, which was, I think, it was a corner, and then he headed it in. And then we were in the final, and I just couldn't believe it. Like I, I remember, 
I remember because I watched it with the, like my whole family and there was sh- champagne and everything like we went all over <laughs> like money grew out of trees that day <laughs> and just watching it just like shows how much football means I guess like and it was a first World Cup for Spain I mean people think yes. now because that like Spain dominated European, European and world football for those few years that that's always been the case but people forget that they'd always sort of been like the nearly men of world of international football they'd get to a semi-final and wouldn't quite do it or whatever but that was the first world cup and i've said before that um on energy sport podcast that i was in spain uh, when they won that world cup on holiday and i completely agree with what you're saying the emotion and the um the joy that poured out of that country on that day yeah it, it just beyond something i've seen in a long time it was kind of weird because we were like all one like the country yeah. every single person despite of you not liking football or not every single person watched the match that night yeah because it was and i don't know the fact that also iniesta scored he's so nice <laughs> i don't know i love him so much so dark yeah okay. iniesta. and we were about to go to penalties it was just like the perfect perfect ending and Oh my god, just thinking about it, like, I'm not gonna cry, but it makes me emotional because mm. we were all so happy. Like, I don't know. And let's, then. Let's move off the, the national team because we all know that Spain are eventually gonna get knocked out this summer's Euros by Scotland. So let's. Uh, yes, <laughs> keep move, on dreaming. Move past that one. And uh, that Barcelona side, I mean, like I said, two uh, Champions Leagues out of, out of three. Pep Guardiola had burst onto the scene as this disciple of Cruyff. And that team just, I think, took everyone's imagination. So it must be you, a very special when you're a Barca fan. You see what I, I, I think was the key for that Barca team? The fact that Guardiola got so well, so well with the players. Like, mm. they, there was, a, of course, they were like, um, you know, the manager and players that there was that respect between them, but they understood each other. And for example, I, my the best reflection for me is Messi. Like he was happy. He I remember the last game Guardiola played as man like played no was manager of Barca. Messi scored and he just went up to Guardiola after scoring and was like, "This is for you." I don't know that kind of um compl- complicity is it the word or like um understanding between mm. them. It's not been reached again. Like yes, we've had Valverde and Luis Enrique, who was great. Great, he he won the six trophies in one year. But Guardiola was special. He 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 was a a, a creep kind of like person, I guess, as we said before. He knew how to play Barca to the best of their abilities and you know bring the as i say in my in my article bring the team that everyone feared you know mm-hmm. yeah and cameron when you were kicking about the mean, the mean streets of was it west edinburgh i always get this wrong south, part edinburgh. south edinburgh i'm south edinburgh when you're kicking about those those mean streets back in the day how just how much an impact did that barcelona side have on your sort of your football and thoughts oh massive like they were they were genuinely it's potentially one of the greatest teams to have ever played the game um mm-hmm. Also, you say it comes from like Johan Cruyff sort of football, but it's also about the team on the pitch. Like literally, everyone maybe on the pitch was a, like an absolute world beater. Like every single player on the pitch was world class. Like the worst player in, in that team was probably Eric Abidal. 
and he yeah. was still a top, top, top defender, um, and going through so many personal troubles of his own at that time, of course. Um, but yeah, like just the way that team played, it was just like something none of our generation, at least, had ever seen before because it sort of disappeared from maybe the seventies or whatever. Um, mm. But just what a team like Sofia says, like also they had at that time like Javin and Esther on the midfield and stuff. But like say like Messi just had that almost like childlike wonder in his eyes. Like literally, he enjoyed playing mm. football. He loved it. He was scoring goals at, at record levels and smiling, mm. celebrating every time he scored. Now it's just sort of like we're now see a sort of older, more dishevelled sort of workman like Messi just struggling to carry a whole team on his shoulders rather than have a team of like 10 world-class players around them mm-hmm. to take them to the top i totally agree with cameron there i don't uh, also i don't think there's gonna be a team like that in a long time mm-hmm. to be fair at least barca wise yeah. no it's it, it was just perfect because as i totally agree with cameron like there was not one single player in the pitch that you could say like yeah maybe you're not at the level to play in that team at the moment they were all there they all and they all put like a hundred percent effort in every single game which is something i'm not seeing in most barca players at the moment so yeah i think i think as well when you talk about uh that side particularly in, in the uk i think a lot of people looked at it and saw this is this is something we haven't seen before but also it wasn't really to their taste. I mean, this football in this country has always been a bit more physical and about yeah. wanting it more and all that sort of stuff. And people, particularly down south, sort of laughed and said, yeah, Pep Guardiola might be doing a great job there, but that style of football would never work in the Premier League. And then he's come with Manchester City and he's going to win yeah. four out of five Premier Leagues and he's he's completely changed I the way we think about football you know in this country. I think as well, people maybe had their opinions changed in Barcelona and just started taking apart every English club they ever faced. Like they yeah. took apart Arsenal so many times they beat Man United was it in two finals to beat yeah, Man two United finals, that could yeah. be wrong yeah like even so, so at Wembley as well just, he couldn't stop them like he couldn't stop them and yeah like you say in their own country um so maybe that changed some people's opinions as well yeah so Sophia I'm about to ask you a big question it might be a hard one to answer but we talk about we're talking about this sort of amazing team ten years ago and where we are now is there an exact moment a decision a game. Uh, a player is there anything where you can pinpoint the time when things started going wrong is there one moment in the last 10 years where we say that's where the decline of Barcelona began I would say when obviously there are a couple of things but the first thing to come up to my head Mm. is probably when Luis Enrique stopped being um, the manager because okay Valverde came after and we did uh, win I don't know if it was like two La Ligas or something like that. But from then on, it was Barca didn't play as Barca again. So I would say when Luis Enrique left, that was when Barca started having trouble. Was Enrique sacked or was he... Was it just kind of like, this is the end? I think he left. I think it was like mucho consent. Like, yeah, yeah, I think he did not a bad season, but not the best season. Mm. And he decided they both decided they needed the change I guess and then Ernesto Valverde was kind of interesting because he I mean he had Barcelona playing 4-4-2 which we in this country see as the most sort of like quintessentially physical British like just sort of in your face football it's not what we associate with Barcelona the sort of refined nature of Barcelona so for him to do that with like 
players like Paulinho who weren't very well thought of in England or um, <laughs> I don't know it was, just, it was quite a different Barcelona team to what we'd seen previously I had forgotten about Paulinho until he mentioned Yeah, He was actually quite good. He's quite good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was actually good. He, he was actually good. Plus, I I think Paulinho was someone, some, like, someone nobody expected to be as good as he was, I guess. like. Yeah, exactly. You just wanted him to play and, like, add to the game, but he actually became kind of a savior most yeah. of the games he played, you know? It was kind of weird. And, but he only played one year, I think. Didn't he? Uh, did he not come back? Was, that, was he it not to alone? Was he went to China? Maybe? He came from China. I think he came he went, from China. I think he came alone for a season and then Barca were desperate to get him back. And I think yeah, he might have done for a, a season and then he yeah. went back to China. But yeah, it was that was a strange one considering that he was not a great player for, for Spurs in England. Uh, also, another point I would say... Hmm. Mm, it, this hurts me because I I kind of don't like this player. I kind of no, I don't like this player. Uh, when Neymar left for PSG, the MSN was broken up, mm-hmm. and that uh, whole Neymar left. Because to be honest, I don't think Neymar is that great. But when you when you put Neymar, Suarez, and Messi, and they all get along so well on and off the pitch, because they're very good friends off the pitch. Yep. They understand themselves, so even if Neymar is not that great, because he's, I really don't think he's the uh, Messi level. Like no, you're not saying you're not saying he's a bad player, but you think that maybe he's a bit overhyped. Like when people yes, talk about yes, Neymar being totally. one of the best players like, in the world. he's not worth two hundred and fifty-two million, mama. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. I agree. Uh, <laughs> but um, they understood them, and to like fill Neymar's gap is very complicated, because you can get that's what Griezmann was for and we we've seen Griezmann it's not the well. same Dembele also of course it's not the same like they're great players but they don't understand the, the, each other as MSN did so I guess that kind of broke to Barca I guess at, at office offensive play uh, at, like at offensive, offensive play yeah yeah offensive play exactly and Cameron, uh, we're going to talk about the two against Bayern, we have to, but sort of before that, something that's mentioned quite a lot with Barca is their relationships with the remontada. First of all, they pulled off probably the most famous European comeback there's ever been um, yes. in that game against PSG, but then in the seasons that followed, they were kind of on the receiving end of a remontada. I mean, there was that mm-hmm. uh, loss to Roma with <laughs> Sofia Yoke. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we won't cover your ears for this one, but there was the <laughs> the loss to Roma with that uh, iconic Peter Drury commentary in this country, this country, and yeah. then corner taken quickly at Anfield. Obviously, I'm sure you enjoyed that one, Cameron. But absolutely, how have you viewed those European collapses? Do you think that does feed into the sort of wider narrative with the demise of Barcelona? I yeah, saw. Like, sorry. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that. It shows them like I think both of those collapses show them like different. It, it it shows their defensive and attacking weaknesses like just on the pitch. Never mind in like a bigger picture thing like the loss to Roma was just a shocking defensive collapse. Like that Manolas uh, Manolas header was just an absolute. I, I, there's not even a word to describe how bad that is from a defending standpoint. Yeah. And then Liverpool, I think it was actually more just like their attack lacking that sort of lethal edge, like that last minute chance oh. Dembele had in the first leg to make it four 0 and he just side foots into the keeper. Something he'd done the other week as well, I think, against in that PSG game, maybe. Um, I could be wrong, but 
like they just lack that like killer instinct and then Liverpool just came back with all they had and gave them probably just as humiliating a defeat as the one they inflicted on PSG two years before it's a big shout probably it counted more that it was a semi 3 up in a exactly. semi-final that's never yeah. been done before yeah. never uh, overturned and then mm-hmm. Sophia like you said probably the more well, what you thought was rock bottom was uh, the 2 against Bayern uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us your experience then of watching that because I mean I, I, didn't, I support I a bad football team but I've never seen us concede 8 so <laughs> I didn't finish the match. Like I was watching the match with my uncles in in my ha- in the family house we have in Tenerife. And okay, we we sat down. We kind of knew like, oof, Barca's gonna have it complicated, you know. But mm. you always ca- have that kind of hope that they might power through. But like being completely honest, I I could say like, oh maybe we lose like what two one three two three one maybe you know. Okay. Score. I think Bayern scored first and then Barca scored and then it were 1-1, but I'm not yeah. quite yep. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. And then scored. 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 <laughs> the, when they scored the fourth goal, I, 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 I think it wasn't even half time. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's uh, right. And I turned around to my uncle and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. Cause I have like there's no way we're bringing this up and I might break the TV if I continue watching this game. So I left uh, and I started like making dinner with my auntie and stuff. And I don't know, 20 minutes after I came over, just to see if maybe Barca had uh, re- like learned how to play, or, learned how to play know, football again yeah. or something. I don't know. And came into the living room and my uncle looked at me and I went like, there's no way they've scored another one. And I went like, yes, Sophia, not one, two. And I'm like, so that was six. Came back again. So no, I didn't even come back. I just heard in the house, Sophia. And I was like, no, no, no. And then when they scored the eighth goal, I was like, um, I don't know how we're going to win back uh, our dignity after that uh, I think we should like hold a funeral for Barca because A2 A2 is complicated to like digest you know yeah <laughs> absolutely uh, no it was devastating honestly before we get too ahead of ourselves is that like even though you're saying you thought that was rock bottom and the, somehow the season's got worse but in terms of like sort of like singular moments is that been the toughest part as a Barca fan like is that been the one where you're like oh my god we are not the team we once were uh, yeah that one and uh, probably I don't know uh, the game against Cadiz or the one I mentioned also in in the article just losing against teams that are I'm very sorry if any Cadiz fan is listening we do have but lots just... of Cadiz fans at Energy Sport I think yeah <laughs> maybe some people like friends from back home or something but <laughs> genuinely bottom of the league table like bottom of the table teams we can't afford a, a lose against them like a loss it's no like it's not possible and we've handed so many over but uh, yeah probably but the, the Bayern match was um, just um, eye-opening like <laughs> the 
we need a change. That was the moment that we realized, like, we need a change now. Like, not next season, not summer, no, now, like now, like tomorrow. <laughs> well, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Kiki Setien, that was his final game in charge of Barcelona. And then the articles of Phil used sort of describe him as unable to gain the key, the, the trust of key players. Uh, could you maybe tell us yes. a little bit more about that? What was, what was it about Setien that was so sort of frail, weak? You know what, I guess he did, uh, he actually used to train my home team, Las Palmas. <laughs> uh, but he came and was from, he well thought of there at Las Palmas? Was he, yeah, yes. yeah, people love him. Uh, but, um, but he came from secondary teams, you know. He did a g- great job at Betis and stuff. But I don't think he was prepared for, for such a big team or like, such a big competition to be fair though just to jump in on that one there is that was kind of the approach of recent Barcelona managers anyway though Luis Enrique uh, and Esteban Verde had all had both come from sort of mid-table Spanish clubs who had shown signs of being able to play the type of football that Barcelona would want to uh, okay I I I I guess I can see that I, but I guess that like what I mean is that played because when Luis Enrique and Valverde came, Barça wasn't as much of a chaos. Especially when Luis mm. Enrique came, Barça was in a good form. Uh, when Valverde came over, well, Barça, you know, was going through a like kind of crisis, but it was still um, don't know, compared to now, it looks team. fantastic. <laughs> yes, exactly. But when Setien came over. Barça was already like mm, red flag. Something's very wrong here, and they needed a, a different manager. They did, needed a manager that could that knew how like knew how to gain the trust of players and knew how to turn Barca around and like put hope again. I guess I would have brought back Luis Enrique to be honest, because we know Guardiola is never coming back. I would have brought, brought back Luis Enrique there. Do you think he was so the last the national team though? Yeah, he he's in the national team. Do you think he would so leave the were... national team to come to Barcelona? Because like, mm. you're heading into a year no. here, you would probably want to see it out. No, especially I considering they've really so. got the chance before. I don't think. So, that, but they got, also they got Ronald Koeman this year. Just so they no. pulled Ronald Koeman away from the Netherlands. <laughs> Cameron, let's let's talk about that actually, because I know you've got some some thoughts on you had thoughts on that appointment at the time on energy extra time. Uh, Ronald Koeman got the. Is it Kuman or Coleman? I, ch- I say I change with the way I say it all I the time. I say both. I is it Coleman? Coleman. Coleman. We say Coleman. Let's go with Coleman. I say Coleman. Right, let's go with Coleman. Ron Coleman. Kings of the Coleman. <laughs> there we go. Um, he, that man, got the uh, Barcelona job in the summer to a lot of sort of surprise. confusion, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you make of that appointment? Yeah, no, it was a weird one. Like he was doing well with the Holland team. They'd also been out like the World Cup and Euros for a few years. Yep. Shockingly, with the team that they had. Um, but his actual club record is shocking. If I can remember, because I remember actually reading up about this at the time for mm-hmm. Energy Sport. I think he would be one. He did win titles at Ajax and PSV and Barca as a player, but as a manager, I think he'd only won trophies at Ajax. He maybe won something at PSV, maybe a league title, but I think it. Who else was he at? Was he at Valencia? I think at Valencia he maybe won something too. But I think it was all it was just like domestic cups and it was one, then it then it fell apart from like every team that he went to it eventually fell apart. And I think that that happened especially probably most famously at Everton. Like he went to Everton, 
they had so much money and I know that's also there was also an issue like director of footballs and stuff but it was just a, a disaster in the end and you look at how f high they're flying now under Carlo Ancelotti and you're starting to wonder why is Carlo Ancelotti at Everton and why is Ron Coleman at Barcelona because it seems like that's the wrong way around basically um, Coleman just doesn't seem to have much I think he's maybe a good man manager so maybe for, to come in and sort of keep Messi happy it was a good idea but I don't think he's actually that good a tactical manager or that strict uh, a leader in the dressing room either I just don't think he offers many qualities that a Barcelona manager should have such as a Pep Guardiola I think that's very fair uh, Sophie I guess I quickly should ask for, for your opinion, opinion on the current manager uh, I, I was watching uh, the, the oh my god the the oh actually no let me say something first there's something about managers that makes me very 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 mad and it's when they sit down during matches really they just yes like <laughs> I, it, it I get that. It, it, it yeah. like the crap out of me I I ju I'm just watching and I'm like you get paid so much you could at least stand up like whenever even when they're playing badly and they're losing what three one or something like that that's the moment you actually have to stand up and go like yeah you know get your shit together like start playing like run like shout i don't know yeah and i i don't really see him like with passion or anything in the Cadiz game yesterday mm. he just was watching from the sidelines and took his uh, head his hands out like to his head a couple times um but that was the only like emotion i saw in him and i don't know like he's just he, he we need a, a manager right now that can shout and can put people in their places and be like you need to change this you need to you you if you don't play like this you're not gonna be in the in the game i like someone with authority and i do i think common like lacks it a lot yeah. so no, I'm. I don't like him. I want him to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fair. Um, let's talk about something else that I know that uh, winds you up a bit, and that's uh, Barcelona's transfer dealings over the past few years. <laughs> Where do you want to start? You pick. Pick which player you want to have a go at first. Let's start you with did Dembele. A few. Dembele first, okay. Yeah, I don't. Men I don't think I mentioned him in my article. But what I want to say is that um, Dembele was uh, they, they needed to like buy someone that they needed to, needed because everybody was pressuring them and uh, everybody was buying someone because I, I don't I can't remember who Madrid bought that year but they bought a good player was it ha Hazard maybe I can't remember so uh, Barca needed summer. I'm trying to think too late for Gareth Bale isn't it <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Hazard. Or no, that that's in the Villa transfer window. Yeah, but, but a year later maybe. So they needed to buy someone, and uh, the the same happened with Coutinho. It's the same situation. Uh, so they didn't know who to buy. Uh, so they bought um, someone who had a good season, was young had um, a good reputation across Europe, but we didn't really know how Dembele played. Like, yes, he, he's young. He's, he What was he? He was like 19 when he came yeah, over. Yeah, he was like promising. But, um, and they, how much was Dembele? I don't remember, but it was so much money. 
was uh, getting into the hundreds of euros, was it not? Or just yeah. below? It was. It was one of the. It was like the top five transfers at the time. So they paid. A money that they didn't have, as we know now, uh, for a player that they really didn't want and really didn't need and really didn't research into how it could fit into their team. So yeah, it played it played badly, especially when like Dembélé spends sorry, but he spends more time injured than actually playing. That's the truth. And then they spend uh, I don't know how much on Coutinho at the moment. Was it 120? 120 million. Yeah, 120. 120 on Coutinho, and I can I think I can count the amount of times I've seen him uh, actually playing with Barca with <laughs> like my hands, honestly. So. It's basically spending money for the sake of spending money and thinking that for like uh, doing good transfers on people who seem promising, they're gonna like people are gonna turn a blind eye to the fact that Barca is crumbling. And no, so yeah, I think they could have planned it better. I think Griezmann, I can understand that transfer because. I, I know Cameron hates him. <laughs> I know Cameron dislikes him a lot. But I do think Griezmann is a good player. But I think he should have stayed in Atletico. Well, you described it uh, in the article as uh, right player, wrong time. And I yes, think that makes totally. a lot of sense. Because Griezmann at Atletico was, um, it was a central player. He played through the middle and he was great at sort of uh, these little delicate touches, these flashes of flair, but you're not going to occupy the central space when, first of all, Luis Suarez and, of course, Lionel Messi are there. Like, you're going to be chucked out on the wing. And mm-hmm. Griezmann isn't that player anymore. And I think that is, you could see that he has the technical attributes to fit into a Barcelona team, but this Barcelona team didn't need a Griezmann. Okay. It needed sort of, I guess, more in the, mo- the mould of Dembele, more sort of pace, more sort of physicality, but obviously that hasn't worked out with him, but Griezmann was just another type of flair player that Barcelona didn't need. No. They just need... You know, I think what happened with Griezmann, they had been, like, after him for so long that if they didn't buy him now, they were going to be, like, humiliated, I Yeah, guess. it was a sign of weakness. Yes, so they just bought him for that, for, mm-hmm. like, reputation and stuff. Uh, and... I think in the long run it's been worse. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely. And I think, Cameron, what the biggest story has been Barcelona this last few years, forget all the transfer dealings, is a, a potential sort of transfer out that could have happened last summer, might happen this summer. And uh, that's, of course, the depart- the potential departure of club captain Lionel Messi. Uh, I, I know Sophie have strong feelings on this one so but first of all I'd like to get your perception of the messy debacle because I think a lot of people from the UK from outwards are kind of like I'd quite like to see him go elsewhere and I've also maybe doubted how good even is Lino Messi now yeah um, I'm someone that definitely would have wanted him to stay at Barcelona his whole career but not this Barcelona <laughs> it's just sad watching him now it really is just carrying the whole team basically um, like the game against Cadiz at the weekend, like they were just, it, he was doing pretty much everything, and it's unbelievable how they didn't win that game. By the way, um, no, definitely, I think it would be so interesting to see him at Manchester City because he'd be reunited with Pep Guardiola. But mm. at the same time, that means Man City get messy, and nobody wants that. Mm. Uh, but I think more than likely he'll go to Paris Saint Germain. Like they've been, they have not hidden at all. Um, 
their ambition for signing him. The director of football, Leonardo, said it in the press. Pochettino was very subtle about it when he took over, but it's now sort of backtracked because Barcelona were furious that they kept openly trying to persuade Messi to come. Angel Di Maria made comments about it. Neymar made comments about it. It just seems like everything's pointing towards Messi going to PSG. And um, while that's maybe good for the French league's publicity, it's probably not good for that league. And it's not good for Barcelona to lose another superstar to um, the French capital. Definitely. Sophia, so, I mean, what I wanted, how I want to frame this question to you, Sophia, is I know that, obviously, I mean, I've got an immense level of love and appreciation for Lionel Messi. I think he's the best football player of all time. Um, Agreed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know you. Um, so when I don't like seeing this, so as a Barcelona fan, it must be even more heartbreaking. And it must have been hard for you to. I mean, you wrote in the article that you kind you you might see a way that you'd actually prefer him to leave. Yeah, I mean, and it's how very, hard it was, was that actually, to admit? It, it was very hard, and it was very hard to write because let's be fair: if Messi leaves Barca. It's kind of like Barca leaving Barca, you know, like Messi mm. is Barca. Um, but we also know that because, okay, it's a, like it's a known fact that Messi is unhappy at the moment in Barca. Like he shows it when he plays. Okay, Pedri has kind of like maybe mm, brought some like joy again in, to Messi, like to actually play football but you know yes but mm, is it enough he's unhappy he's not playing well or no wait 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 no because Messi plays well but he's not playing as well as we all know Messi can play Mm -hmm. I think that's the way I would phrase it and people are really starting to resent him you know Uh, like my friends from back at home who are Barca fans it's probably one of the first times ever I've ever like heard them say bad things about Messi. Like, uh, he's such a, a crybaby and he needs to get his shit together and uh, we pay him so much and stuff. And um, he's not what he used to be. He's a fallen legend. He, like a star fading away. And it's it hurts, you know, because Messi is my football idol, like everybody sh- should be Messi also, may I add. Um, so I guess I really hope, because if he leaves now, the last season, yes, has been damaging for his reputation, but I think he would live in the same level as Iniesta and Xavi, like they've become part of the legacy, I guess, yeah. or like, yeah. But, 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 I need to put a but to that. Please because do. Because if Xavi Hernandez is ready to train Barca next year, I want Messi to stay. Because I think Xavi will, would be able to turn things around. And they, they both would understand each other very well. But if Xavi Hernandez isn't ready, yes, Messi can leave. <laughs> oh, it depends on Xavi. Yes. And I, I, I honestly don't think Xavi's going to start uh, training Barca next year. But, you know, hope is the last thing you lose. Very true. Hope is the last thing you lose. Something that does give Barcelona fans hope is the form of the young players at the moment. There is parts of this team, elements of this team, where you could say you can see sort of remnants of what 
makes Barcelona great. Yes. And I think the three players that you highlighted in your article were Frankie de Jong, Pedri and Ansu Fati. Um, talk to me a bit about those players and just why you think why you highlighted them as the players who could reignite Barcelona's fortunes. So they, I love De Jong. I think he's great. He's such a good player. He's such a good player. <laughs> I tweeted during the PSG game last week. Frankie De Jong deserves better because he does. Like he doesn't deserve this because he's such a good footballer. Sorry, Sofia. No, no, no. He he really is. He's such a good player. I think I have a kind of crush on him also. But he's such a good player and he brings um, movement to the team. You mm-hmm. know. Like, he, he keeps it going. But, of course, it's hard for him because if he's the only one with, like, out of 11 in the pitch, only him, Messi, and Pedri are the ones who move the game around. Well, it's complicated for him. Uh, but I think he's great. And if he stays in Barca, I think he would be one of the, like, people to bring it back up. The thing is, I don't know if the young is going to... Like want to stay more in Barca than the contract he already has at the moment, especially if Barca continues like this. Because I agree with you, like he does deserve better. He deserves a, a team that can exploit his potential. And also, Frankie De Jong was so fantastic in that Ajax side, Ajax side that we all fell in love with because he would sit at the base of midfield, collect the ball from deep, drive it forward, which has been Busquets' job for so many years at Barcelona it still is his job and I think that even though Busquets is getting on and he's been a fixture in our lives pretty much the whole time he's only 32 Sergio Busquets which isn't ridiculously yeah. old he's actually he's got better recently as well like his forms took a wee bit of a yeah I think term. compared yeah. to I think Sergio Busquets had a worse season last season than they actually mm-hmm. is yeah. having now um, I mean he could train his passes a bit but he could, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah I think Frankie de Jong will I mean, actually I'm saying this, I was going to say Frankie de Jong might struggle to make a real impact on this Barca team until Sergio Busquets uh, steps aside, but what de Jong has done, while he's not been able to do that, is adapt his game and he's making fantastic late runs into the box, which has led to a good goal scoring return this season. Yeah. Um, so I think that de Jong's a, a great player. And also, you know what, I think as well, you were saying there about him like maybe not wanting to stay past the end of his contract or I think he'll be a future captain for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I know that's like a big shout and I'm basing it on very little but like even just recently they've had a centre back crisis, like he's the one that's dropped in. Like he's still a young footballer and he's mm-hmm. the one being asked to drop into centre back and lead the team. It just makes me think that if there's even a hint of him wanting to leave, they'll just offer him the captaincy if Messi should go and should Busquets not be I don't know, um, considered for the role. I just think he's a future Barcelona captain and he'll sort of lead a resurgence of the young players they're bringing in. And Sophie, let's talk about the other two uh, players we had there because uh, Pedri and Anzu Fati aren't even just like uh, sources of hope for Barcelona, that club. They're also, they could reignite something in the Spanish national team after. Yeah, totally. They are, they totally. Yeah, and they're so young. Like, Pedri just turned 18 last year. I think it was December. I'm not quite sure. They're so young. Like, they've got so much, uh, like, left to prove and left to do. And they're so good. I guess Pazzi has been out, uh, I don't know how long, but a few weeks yeah, because, a few months of now, his, yeah. because of his injury. But previous to that injury, like, we saw him. He has potential. Uh, and Pedri. 
Oh my god. I had to leave him last because Pedri is from the Canary Islands. May I highlight that? Do <laughs> um, you know anyone else from the Canary Islands, Sophia? Or? Uh, in Barca team. I don't or just, I just anyone on this podcast? Or? Me. Of course. <laughs> of course. And he played at Las Palmas. Your, uh, yeah, he team. did. He did. Canary Islands is the best. When, when uh, everything is back open, that's the place to go on vacation. Just saying. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're going to that holiday home in Tenerife, are we not? Uh, of course. As soon as we can, we are. <laughs> we'll go see our last Palmas game. Oh my God, that would be great. Anyways, uh, but Pedri is young. He His passes for like this, uh, like assists are great. Uh, he did an assist yesterday in the Cadet game that Messi didn't score. Uh, it was a bit complicated, but the pass, oh my God, what a pass. Uh, he runs. He's like, I, th- I think he's fast. He's I like a more he could... mobile than Esta, isn't he? I yeah. Think. And I think he could. And I, I, I'm, I'm playing this a long run, but I think he could replace Messi in the future and maybe be like a next versus Messi. You know. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's too, it's too soon to say. As I said before, he's only 18 years old. But mm-hmm. if he continues like this and. Like um, Messi actually lives, I think he could be. Plus, I that's the, my idea is that you know how Ronaldinho kind of passed it to Messi and stuff. I think Messi is gonna pass it to Pedri. Like now, you you gotta like pull this back together. You know. Maybe, I don't know. So maybe Xavi, Iniesta, Messi. Now it's gonna be Ansu Fati, Pedri, and the young. You know. That would be nice. Uh, see if we get this right and we can revisit this podcast in 10 years when everyone's sort of praising them as a trio. We said it first. We said it first. <laughs> you heard it here on, on Energy Sport Unpacked. Uh, I, I guess, so we've, spe- we've spoken about positives and negatives. Cameron, do you think that it is possible for Barcelona to fix things on the pitch to start seeing better results at Camp Nou than before if they haven't sorted out the stuff higher up, the hierarchy, the financial, mm-hmm. the political stuff, can we see that resolved without the other stuff being resolved? Yeah, I don't I don't think they're... Like, are you saying on the pitch will they be okay? Like, can they still turn things around? Can they turn the on-field stuff around yeah. without yeah. having sorted the off-field stuff? Yeah, it's difficult because it's like when the season ends, there's a transfer window and if he's not sorted stuff upstairs then what the hell's going to happen? But yeah. on the pitch, they actually... I don't think they've been that awful. Like they lost to like Bilbao in the um Super Cup and I know they got be off Sevilla recently in the Copa del Rey but and also they could PSG, still turn that, that down the semi a two legged semi final, they're two 0 down yeah, it'll be hard, yeah. but they do have a chance in the, in the Exactly. Copa del Rey. So they still they have a chance of silverware and they're not even out the title race. Like Atletico no. have slipped up a little bit. For all me and you have praised them recently, they have had mm. a disastrous week. Um twice slipping up to Levante and Real Madrid have like the biggest injury crisis in Europe right now rivaling Liverpool so Barca are still in the title race they just thumped Alaves 5-1 they should have thumped Cadiz like they I, I still I honestly don't get how they won lost again I saw with 82% possession like they thrashed them Cadiz had one shot on target and it went in it was very, it was like Chelsea Southampton it was the exact same as that um, it was just so unlucky for them one on that game wasn't it a one-all draw, yeah, yeah one-all draw. Um, and I think it was a penalty that Pedri won that Messi finished off. So there we go, mm. just pushing that narrative again. <laughs> um, but yeah, they haven't even been that bad in the league. Like, I, I don't think they've lost a game in the league for like a while, like a long yeah, time since they, before I think the turn of the year. They won the the last eight games, like 
Caddy's there we game go, yesterday yeah. was the first one they drew. And that's like a massive fixture pileup with three other competitions going on around them. Like they're not doing as bad as maybe people are thinking they are, just because of how bad that Champions League defeat was, yeah. and because of what's going on in the board. But that's when people think, dip in, don't they? They dip into the yeah, Champions exactly. League game and they see PSG yeah, they see absolutely them. annihilate them. Exactly. And they think, wow, Barcelona are... And it's true, and Barcelona are a shell of their can I, go, but... can I go like a limb here? Like, don't get me wrong, right? they were, I get they were really bad against PSG, but I, I, I don't think 4-1 was a fair scoreline. Like, I might be crazy and think I've not seen like the XG or anything like that, but I feel like that was much more like a 3-2 game than a 4-1. I, I don't know. Barcelona didn't create much but... though, did they? I mean, they scored the penalty. Did, was there any other times where you felt Navas was under real... Yeah, or? like the one Navas booted off Griezmann's boot. I think Griezmann had like two or three chances. I think Messi had another one or two as well. Mm. Um, I'm not saying they should have won the game, right? I'm saying they, I, I still think it'll get me on aggregate, whatever, even if it finished three two. But like, I just don't think. I think that was very much just a killing Mbappe show. Like he yeah. ran Serginho yeah. Dest. Totally. You know what the problem like, is? They game. couldn't stop Mbappe. Like That's there was it. no yeah. one to yeah. to match him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if Mbappe hadn't uh, like played. In PSG, yeah, I don't think PSG would have yeah, won that. You know what? You know if if it was Di Maria or Neymar playing, if one of them was fit and Mbappe was out, that would have been a much closer game. But Mbappe was just even if one of those like, ones super. played because the way that uh, PSG played in that game, I think it was so obvious that they were that when the switches of play from Florenzi, they were trying to go through Mbappe. If That's Neymar it, and yeah. Di Maria were fit and all three of them were playing then the ball would have been going to Neymar to try and... Exactly. On that left-hand side as well, that's the side that mm-hmm. Neymar usually plays on, that Mbappe took in this change system. So I do agree that that Neymar injury is kind of a sliding doors moment, and he could have shown up uh, at the camp now and gone, and got sort of got a bit caught up in the, mm-hmm. the occasion again. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with uh, you guys on that one. Sophia, do you have any hopes of uh, salvaging something this season at least? Uh, long, okay, with the draw time. yesterday with Cadiz, uh, I'm a bit hopeless with La Liga, but I think there might be a chance to. Like, it's not that far off, and there's like a few matches left. Mm-hmm. Copa del Rey is going to be difficult to turn around because Sevilla is a good team, you know? Um, yeah. Level on points with Barca, aren't they? What? Are they not level on points with Barca in La Liga? No, uh, they're like, I think, two behind or something yeah, okay. like that. Uh, plus I think yeah. the, the the second leg is in the Camp Nou which let's be like being fair there are no people in the stadium but playing home does give you like I don't know a slight advantage I guess, yeah. yeah a slight advantage maybe we're able to turn that around if we play good I don't think Champions League we're no longer in the run like there's no uh, segunda remontada happening <laughs> no so no, and it's kind of sad because it also humiliating because we lost for one, but I think yesterday or the day before didn't uh, PSG lose zero two against Monaco. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> sad times. <laughs> so I mean, I guess my final question I'll start with you, Cameron, is to ask you both the one that was posed by Sophia's brilliant article, and that is FC Barcelona. Is this the end, Cameron? Uh. Not unless literally do go bankrupt. Uh, it's not <laughs> the end, I don't think. I think they do have amazing players. Let's say we've got Frenkie de Jong, just outstanding. Like, even there, we didn't even mention Francisco Trincao, who they paid about £30 million for um, from Braga, or maybe it was Benfica. Braga. I can't quite remember. Was it Braga? Yeah, just you'd expect it to be Benfica. Um, he's a good player as well. I don't know if he's quite hit the heights yet, but he's still an exceptional player. Um, huge promise in him. I, I think if they sort things up... Um, 
in the boardroom, if they get the new president and probably Laporta, then um, everything should be okay. Like every team's been affected by COVID. Real Madrid will be affected by it too. Maybe if Barca just stop spending stupid money, like about twenty million on Martin Braithwaite, then they won't be in this kind of trouble <laughs> they and they'll bounce back. And I can't believe they mentioned them. I don't know. Wow, he had to be mentioned. One utter fucking idiot. <laughs> I have no good words for him. Um, Braithwaite. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I don't get that side of him. But yeah, no. Anyway, to answer your question. It's definitely not the end, but it could take maybe two or three years till we see Barca back, even close to the heights that they were under Guardiola. And Sophia, same question to you. Is this the end for your beloved team? May I say beforehand, because I think people should know, I really hate Real Madrid. I really hate them. (laughs) Like, I really, really do hate them. Like... If, if Barca like fall very far away from winning La Liga, I hope Atletico wins so bad because I, <laughs> I hate Real Madrid so much. But Tell anyway, us how you really feel. <laughs> how, how I really feel about Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> You've covered that, don't worry. I, honestly, like I hate them. Like there's no probably top five of the things I hate most in the world <laughs> is Real Madrid. <laughs> genuinely like I think oh my god just thinking about it burnt like makes my bro- uh, like blood boil honestly oh my god I hate them so much but mm, anyways getting that out of the way because I had to say it mm-hmm. have to say it uh, but I do th- don't think it's the end for Barca to say it is the end uh, would be not me being a fake fan I think uh, I don't think it's as Cameron says that mm, maybe three years and it's going to be kind of easy. I don't think it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm, No, I think they're going to have to work a lot. But I do think they have a hope in the young players because they're so young. That's the thing. They're so young and they have so much uh, like future on their shoulders. I do think they could bring the club back up to at least uh, semi-finals or something like that, you know? <laughs> Maybe for, like, to reach the Champions League final, give it, like, five years. But semi-finals, quarter-finals, or at least not be kicked out on when there's 16 teams left. <laughs> I think that could happen in, like, two years or something like that. Well, Let's hope. We'll have to wait for another podcast to find out the other four things that Sophia hates most in the world. But uh, <laughs> that's all we have time for right now on Energy Sport Unpacked. Uh, that was based off the, the brilliant article I've mentioned it. We've mentioned it throughout the show by Sofia Villegas Navarro. It's on energysport.net. It's called FC Barcelona Is This the End? So please do give that a read. And while you're there, read all the brilliant stuff we have on energysport.net. It really is uh, a banner year for the website. So check that out if you want to check us out on Twitter. That's at ENRG Sport. And subscribe to the podcast. We'll have more Energy Sport Unpacked where we go deep on the articles. When we've also got a regular football podcast. That's a football roundup out on a Monday. Energy Extra Time with me and Cameron. That's out on a Thursday. And the Fantasy Ramble for all you FPL folk. That's out on a Friday as well. So check those out. Please, I want to say a massive thank you to Cameron Lonsdale for joining me first of all and as well to Sofia Vegas Navarro who did a fantastic job on our energy sport debut thank you very much Sofia thank you very much I've uh, enjoyed myself uh, that was kind of like stress relieving yeah no <laughs> it's like therapy it's therapy and good content that's what we're all about here uh, and thank you to you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again soon